Fellas, are you guys prepared to come out of quarantine with that hot summer bod? Beaches are opening, you can wear a mask, but the sun is still shining, and I think the bushes need to be tamed, and that's why our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have the perfect package 3.0, which sounds fancy. Um, and it comes with the, ooh, it comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, which is waterproof cordless body trimmer, which is exactly what you need to get everything, um, you know, feeling nice. They also have a crop cleanser to keep your hair, skin, and healthy. Uh, they pretty much got everything you need. So if you want to get that from Manscaped, you can subscribe to the perfect package and they'll give you a new shipment. A uh, new blade for your lawnmower every three months. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, which is a travel bag to keep all the things they're giving you in, in one bag. And then a patented high performance reducing chafing Manscaped box of briefs. I don't know how they can figure out how to reduce chafing in the box of briefs, so that sounds wonderful. So if you want that, plus free shipping, plus 20% off, use the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That is the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Again, for a limited time, that's two free gifts, the travel bag, high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. So if you want that, go to manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome to... Anything is potable. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard. I call myself a professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic. You might know him as the kid. Uh, he calls himself the God or the Legend, Jay King. And uh, I decided that we had to change your name, Packard. Someone was talking to me about Babe Ruth the other day. And it just occurred to me that we should start calling you the great Jambino. The and I'm soul, here for it. The soul of pods, the king of <laughs> junk, and the colossus of Kaizen. Oh, my. That's – I just want Ham Porter from the, the Sandlot like, describing me that way. That sounds fantastic. Now, we are also joined by special guest, um, also of The Athletic, hosts the Nerder She Wrote pod, which is now part of the new Athletic NBA show. Uh, a podcast extraordinaire, Archer, uh, becoming <laughs> becoming a great Archer as we speak, live from his compound in an undisclosed location in North Texas, Dave Dufour. Now, Dave, the last time we talked to you, we were in a very fancy hotel uh, doing a podcast when you were at the Sloan Conference. Uh, and I think that was the last time the Celtics played basketball. Um, and so nothing basketball-wise has really uh, uh, changed since then. But how are you doing? How have you uh, survived this uh, hellscape we're living in in the last four months? Um, I'm doing great. I, like, I hate to say it like that because it makes me sound like kind of a dick. Um, because <laughs> Thrive, man. You don't burning. have to apologize for thriving. I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, I'm obviously pretty lucky that, you know, I've been able to keep a job and uh, stay busy and you know, I've got tons of projects that have been taking up my time, but, uh, you know, overall, I think I'm doing okay. Um, ready for basketball to come back. Are you ready at all talk about basketball? Are you at all worried that people are going to get annoyed because you're on too many podcasts and they listen to your voice way too fucking often? Hell no, no. <laughs> listen, all right, look, man, I, you know, being the best in the business is really tough. 
<laughs> a lot of pressure. I think people like the fact that they know for a fact you you look and you see my name on a podcast, you know it's going to be good. That's it. I, I have a level of excellence that people have come to accept, uh, uh, expect, and I always achieve it. That, there you so go. No, they'll never get tired. The, the Dave Defer guarantee. <laughs> He's right. delivering it right now as we That's speak. Right. His very speech talking about how good he is at delivering it yeah, is I delivering misspeak. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we're here, I presumably, to talk about the Boston Celtics, um, but basketball has returned. We've yeah, gotten some I thought we were scrimmages. Talk about Giannis, honestly. We can talk about Giannis. We can talk about anything you want. I think the basketball is actually back. We've had live games. Bull Bull is a superstar now. Um, people are very ready to overreact to anything that happens in a scrimmage, but we are getting live footage of basketball games, and that's somewhat exciting. Now, I have to be honest, I haven't seen uh, – a lot of the clips have been doing other things, but so most of my focus has been on game presentation. But presumably, you guys, some some professionals, have been watching the basketball. How's it been? There was nothing better than the b- basketball coming back from the hiatus with the Nuggets' insane starting lineup with basically seven centers. It was amazing. It was they had a seven foot two small forward <laughs> and Jokic. <laughs> Basically playing point guard. It was Mills, awesome. Millsap being the small guy at 6'8". <laughs> like, they, they played, I mean, that lineup when they were out there, they probably played like 90% zone. Yeah. And it was it looked terrifying in their zone. If uh, when, when they moved Bowl to the middle in the zone, that's that's when they started to have issues. Rui started noticing that, that Bowl was sitting pretty far back slipping in under the nail, getting getting looks, and Bowl wasn't stepping up. But once Bowl kind of figures that stuff out, dude, that's a lineup that that they should probably play. That could do something. Do you think – so we had a, a Hornets assistant coach, Nick Friedman, on a couple of weeks ago talking about his expectations, and he thought, he, like, thought that the zone might be a, a strategy that a lot of coaches use going into the bubble. Do you think that was just a lineup-specific thing and that team like Denver, when they are huge, can do? Or is it something they're like most uh, teams will – actually use moving forward well we've seen i mean the last few years we've seen the the prevalence of zone increase you know uh it's a great way to get guys a a breather on the defensive end um also if you're playing teams like the pacers they shoot 27 threes a game okay so you know you can zone up because you know what their game plan is they're not they're not generating those deep looks and they do start to shoot over the top of your zone you can always adjust um but yeah i think we're going to see a lot of zone a lot of that is going to be because guys are going to want to conserve energy for the offensive end or transition. You know, um, we're going to see guys going really hard on one uh, in one direction and wanting to catch their breath on the other end. So especially in these scrimmages, you're going to see it's on his own while they're redeveloping chemistry, figuring out the rotations again, and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see tons of zone. I, I'm fine with it. I would, I would never like coach a team to play zone unless I was, you know, in the NBA. In which case, it's like, yeah, we're gonna play some zone. I would. I hate. I hate when teams play zone in in men's league. I, I want to slap everybody who sits back in a zone in men's league. It's garbage. It's garbage in anything that isn't the NBA. And I, I mean, and what I'm if you only got five guys? Point. What if you only got five guys and you need it to win? I mean, is, is well, doesn't winning the Nuggets? So the Nuggets only had nine nine players. They haven't played five on five all week. You know, Mike Malone was out there getting run in just so that they could even do anything. And so, you know, like they had to, they started that big lineup. Now, part of that, I think was Mike Malone having a little bit of fun and not starting Troy Daniels to, to just make a scene there. And 
I'm I'm here for that with these scrimmages. Do you remember when Let's Dave Yeager a couple years ago in preseason with the Kings played like all centers? And yeah. I think he was just making a point to his front office, like, why are you assholes just <laughs> giving me all these big men? But but when you look at what the Nuggets were able to do, I mean, those are extremely versatile players that were out there. I mean, Nikola Jokic is a legitimate point guard on offense, right? Like whatever yeah. you think about him defensively, I mean, that guy is a is an offensive point guard defensively he's much better at the point of attack than he is protecting the rim this is why people are so confused about how to judge his defense because he doesn't fit into a box but neither do any of those other guys you know Millsap is a good small ball five he can play the four but he can guard in space Grant same thing I mean Grant was running around the perimeter getting around screens and that guy is what 610 yeah it's he's nuts so I liked seeing it uh, just from a, you know, like a basketball coach nerd standpoint. Like, I, I love that uh, Mike Malone is using this to just kind of get a little weird and experiment. But it actually came out of necessity. I, I think we're going to see it probably some more in these scrimmages. I'm all think- in on Skinny Jokic, by the way. He looks great. I was, was going to ask. It took me one highlight of Skinny Jokic driving by someone and dunking to be all in. That, that's all it took for me. Did he face any physical, like, I can't even think of a Wizards big right now who, like, um, would do Thomas anything Bryant. to him? I mean, everybody out there on their team was just so big. So he he constantly had mismatches if, if he got the ball in the mid block or anything. But, you know, the, the idea that losing some weight, he didn't even lose that much, but losing some weight would cause him to, to struggle to do the things he does in the post is just insane. I mean... Yeah, he can bang, but also he's like extremely skilled and the threat of his passing makes it so you you know he's so hard to double. When you go to double, you know he's going to find the open guy. So, you know, he doesn't see a ton of double teams for that reason. I mean, I don't I doubt he lost any strength. I doubt it. He didn't really lose all that much weight. Um and he looked like he was in pretty good shape when he was out there. I mean, he he was sucking wind, but he was sucking wind like everyone else, not you know, turning beat red like he was at the beginning of the season. <laughs> so so I've heard this theory you've said a couple of times on a, a different NBA podcast, including the Nerder She Wrote one. You believe that when the NBA comes back, the teams with individual player-centric offenses will have the easiest time coming back. So the Mavericks, based around Luka Doncic's skill set, will have an easy time. The Rockets, because they run everything through James Harden, We'll have an easier time. And, and you think for that reason, the Celtics, with all their moving parts and the number of guys that they spread the ball to, could have a tougher time. What do you think will make it so difficult for them heading back to the bubble the way that they play? Well, guys just have so much more to to pick up on. You know, uh, when you get out of the practice, I mean, there's a reason why teams have training camp and then, you know, preseason and stuff to work out these bugs. And And maybe the Celtics, you know, are able to do all this by the time we get to the seeding games. I just think it's more difficult because everyone's roles are, they, they require so much more. Um, you know, you've got a lot more Swiss army knife players in that offense. Whereas, you know, for, for Harden, you know what he's going to do. And if you're playing with Harden, you know, your job is stand in the corner and wait, <laughs> make smart <laughs> cuts. Right. Whereas with, with, you know, like the read and react style offenses are going to be like that. You know, the nuggets, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Nuggets went more read and react than they have been traditionally. So I do think that if the Celtics can implement some read and react stuff, I mean, they certainly have guys that can do that. If they will do that, then 
it, it may help them quite a bit, but you know, I don't know. I'm just guessing, honestly, like this is such an unprecedented yeah, we all circumstance. Are. Yeah. That's so, been our conclusion of every podcast is so we don't know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> but my thing is I, like, I just lean on my own experience and how, you know, how I would expect it to go as a coach or, you know, as a, even as a player to a certain degree. And, you know, this, the more simplified the offense logic would su suggest the easier it is to get back into a groove. But the thing with uh with Brad, uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's like no, go ahead. And you've criticized Brad before, especially with Tyree for doing too much of this like kind of egalitarian offense and not just doing uh running Kyrie pick and rolls. It's like I just don't see Brad. I feel like he buys into the egalitarian, like a kind of read and react offense. Like that is in his identity, mm -hmm. and I don't know if he's just going to be like. And I think he'll do more experimenting in the seeding games. He's made it like a point of saying we need to be ready by the playoffs. And so maybe a change in the playoffs. But is he just going to run Kemba pick and rolls or just run Tatum pick and rolls? Or is it like that's just not like the Celtics offense? Yeah, I don't I don't think he will. And that's why I expect him to struggle a little bit. Um, again, this team, you know, is they've got a bunch of smart players. And I'm sure that they've all been watching film and probably playing to a certain degree, too. Um Maybe I'm I'm overstating how hard it's going to be for them to get back into the groove that they were in. They were playing really good basketball, and it's just I don't expect them to be able to walk right back into that. Maybe it's by the first round of the playoffs. Maybe it's the second round of the playoffs. I don't know, but I do know having the option to simplify it would be nice. You know, when this was my issue with him with Kyrie, when your offense wasn't generating good looks, you know you have a guy that can create them. You just got to give them the space to do it. Now, can Kemba do it the way that Kyrie could? No, but Kemba's an effective pick and roll ball handler. What about Tatum? You know, how do you guys feel about that? Do you guys think Tatum could handle some of that load? Yeah, they kind of shifted toward that, especially when he was hot in February and March. I mean, his his usage rate during that time was close to thirty two percent. He was that's as it. much hero ball as what I feel like I've seen right. in the Brad Stevens. Oh no, not really, because Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas. But yeah. I was going to say. Post Isaiah Thomas, that's the most like dedicated one guy is going to be getting buckets is when Kemba was hurt and Tatum got named an all-star and was suddenly like, oh, I belong here. And so I think that's the interesting thing is that when Kemba was out, they kind of went to Tatum more and it was more one-on-one. -on -one. But there hasn't been a really time when Kemba's been at full strength and we've seen Tatum as this like new kind of superstar mode. And I think you're going to be giving one of them balls. But I'm just intrigued by the idea of like just pick and rolls involving those two guys. I just don't know how you – necessarily defend that and so maybe that's just something they go to but it's going to be interesting because Tatum like really became the go-to scorer and never really got to a point where he had to like give back opportunities to Kemba because Kemba was never full strength so I'm just going to be interested to see how those two kind of work together is it a type of thing where you stagger it where it's like you only you always want one of them on the court at all times so you can have that option or is it like Sometimes we've seen Gordon Hayward be the kind of leader of the second unit, and he'd be a playmaker. He's a pretty decent playmaker. He's good in terms pick of and roll. I, I think that they have options. It's just a will they show the willingness to dip into those options? You know, I, Hayward is good in the pick and roll. Marcus Smart is effective in the pick and roll and a very good passer. I, there, there are there are ways to do it. It's just it goes back to Brad Stevens. Uh, and his belief in the egalitarian offense. I mean, Quinn Snyder's got the same thing in Utah, but you can see that they've relinquished so much of that to Donovan Mitchell. And just imagine what you could do for guys that have more talent than Donovan Mitchell, you know, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum. I like, there's just, there's just more there. 
So I would love to see it to, you know, at least a little bit. I mean, I guess we'll find out once they scrimmage, but um, you know, and I agree with Brad. I, I, I think that egalitarian offense certainly has a place. I just don't know that his egalitarian <laughs> offense is the right one, if that makes sense. You know, and I think a lot of times free throw line is so important. So. Yeah. And they, they, they are great at yep. that. Although they've gotten a, at least so, somewhat better this year. Um, yeah. The, the one thing I will say, he kind of simplifies the offense a lot late in the game. The, when, with the way you're talking about Kemba and Tatum interacting, I do think that's a question. And obviously as a duo, like the Celtics offense has been ridiculous when those two guys have been on the court, they've scored like 116 points per 100 possessions with those guys. They're one of the highest scoring duos. Their team with them on the court is among the, the lineups are among the best in the entire league with those two guys on the court. Um, like the, the one game I think should be the, the way that they play down the stretch was the Clippers double overtime game. And Tatum was scorching hot. And they just decided, you know what, let's run pick and rolls with a lot of the time Tatum was handling the ball and Kemba was setting screens. And either the Clippers would switch Shamit onto Tatum and he was just cooked or Kemba would have some room to operate. Those guys interacting together in that game, it was special and it was tough to stop. And I think they have to duplicate that because those two guys, as good as Brown and Hayward and Smart are, those two guys are on a different level, and, and they're just so tough to stop when they interact together in that way. If the Celtics are going to make the conference finals you know, or the finals, it's going to be because Tatum is the player that we saw the last couple months, right? Like that is, that is the key. That is their ceiling raiser. There's nobody else on the roster that can do what he was doing. And now that we've seen him do it, like we know it can happen. I, I think Brad's got to let him kind of rise to the occasion here. But how important is is Kemba being like? And this is the news out of Celtics practice today. Kemba actually like fully participated in practice. Kemba being fully able to be Kemba, even if the all of the kind of emphasis is trying to get Tatum the ball so he can be that superstar. If Kemba can be Kemba, that makes Jason Tatum's job so much easier and allows well, him to it. kind of yeah yeah. I mean, what is, <laughs> that's the issue, right? Like so, you know. I don't think about Kemba that much, to be honest with you. When I when I think about the Celtics, like I think about Jason Tatum almost exclusively because I think that the story of the playoffs for them is Jason Tatum. If Jason Tatum plays like he's a top fifteen, top twenty player, like he was uh, in in late January, February, early March, they can they can make the finals. Like that team is good enough to do it. But how much easier is it for Jason Tatum to do that when you have Kemba Walker oh. like casually dropping 25 yeah. points and getting to the line six or seven times? Like It's great as long as Kemba can not give up 25 on the other end, right? And, and I don't I think know, they've been that bad defensively with, with Kemba in there. I mean, it's not like he's not the best defender. He's definitely the not the top though, five. In the playoffs, he's going to get targeted in a way that he doesn't in the regular season. And, and you know, uh, dealing with the knee issue, like what's it going to look like? How quick of a hook is Brad going to have for him if he's if he's not able to get around screens the way that they want him to? Um, you know, how much switching are they going to wind up having to do to compensate? And his offensive contribution is is very important. I just think that they can get that from other people. Maybe they can't get thirty a game, but they can get three guys ten a game. So, you know, if he's like, I'm just a lot less worried about what Kemba's going to do than Jason Tatum. I, I think Jason Tatum, they sink or swim with Jason Tatum. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, and I think the last couple of months have shown 
especially with the pull-up three-point shooting and how big a skill that is in the NBA and how much that can change, not just how a defense guards you, but how a defense guards your entire team, plus the defensive part of it where Tatum has been close to all defensive team level this season. He, he was just so damn good. I have doubts about whether he can – continue the three-point shooting just because nobody does on right, that right. on that level of volume and the the difficulty of shots off the dribble that he was taking. But if he can even remotely approach what he was the last two months, that changes things for them and gives them a, a realistic chance where he's the best player of the Brad Stevens era if he keeps that up. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this isn't to say that Kemba is not good and that Kemba won't have some moments and, and potentially be really important for them. But I, I do think that all of this should be predicated by getting Jason Tatum as many touches as you can get. And Kemba off the ball is pretty good. Like, he's a pretty good uh, catch-and-shoot guy. You can do stuff with him, like you guys mentioned. He's a willing screener. Which and is he's fantastic. good at getting Tatum the ball when Tatum's hot. Like, that's, yeah. like, one of the things, like, the just chemistry-wise, Kemba has been very good at feeding Tatum when Tatum is, like, definitely in his groove. This question popped up in my head while you were talking, Dave. How – hurt does Kemba have to be or how limited does he have to be for Brad Stevens to consider benching him down the stretch because obviously the Celtics have five perimeter guys for probably four slots in crunch time and you think normally Kemba would be on the court no matter what he's always been on the court no matter what but how damaged does he have to be for Brad to consider you know throwing Marcus Smart in there yeah you kind of want smart in there if it's crunch time, though. Yeah, you probably have Hayward or Jalen on the bench. It feels yeah. crazy to take either of those guys off. I think you got to. I, I think Marcus Smart has got to close games for this team. He's just too important defensively. Uh, his ability to guard one through five, like legitimately guard one through five, he could take away the other team's best player. He just, I mean, he's such a dynamic playmaker on defense that you want him. And by the way, is a willing three point shooter, which helps. You know, like, <laughs> he's he, more than willing. <laughs> he's very right. willing, but, but he actually draws a defense. So um, I, I think, I don't, I don't know what, if Kemba, if Kemba's really struggling to get around screens defensively, I could see him sitting in crunch time, but it has to be pretty egregious. I, I think. Yeah. Because e- even the threat of him offensively is mm-hmm. just such a difference maker for them. And this team and this team can go through, you know, scoring droughts. And so you need that guy who can get you a bucket. Um, I mean, again, this is why Tatum is so important. But, uh, yeah, I think likely that Kemba is closing games as long as he's available to play. Yeah, I mean, so, I, that's obvious. Yeah, I just popped up in my head like, oh, shit. Yeah. What, what? But, I, but I think, like, his, his availability to play, I, I think, is going to be an issue. Like, this knee thing is not – it's not new. It's it's lingering. It's been hampering him in training here. You know, is he gonna? He's probably not scrimmaging. Maybe not a, even at all. Um, it, it, you know, when you think we're like a week out from from live games, is he gonna be ready for those? Even now, they're they're playing for the playoffs. Like they're not thinking about those seeding games outside of anything but getting the conditioning up, getting some reps for everybody, getting the ball moving. So you know, you really got about three weeks before he has to be ready to go. Is he going to be ready to go? I think that that's the bigger question. You know, if he can get himself ready to, ready to play and is playing, he's going to be out there closing games. I've, I've got a, another question about your theories. Do you have any theories about what types of defenses 
will we'll have the toughest time coming back because the Celtics, obviously, they don't have that huge guy yeah. standing at the paint. They rely yeah. on scrambling around and covering for one another, communicating, being Moving on a string. On a string. Yeah, oh, we got the both Brad's really sharp with their ball, hand, or their, their ball pressure and all the other stuff. I wonder if they'll take a bigger hit than some of these other teams, like, say, the Lakers with all their size at every single right. position. So the margin for error for for Boston is much slimmer. And this is actually one of the things that I have brought up that that Seth Partnow has corrected me on from an analytics perspective. So my expectation is that defenses are going to be at a big big disadvantage early because of that kind of stuff. The the communication stuff, getting those, you know, being on a string, being connected, communicating all those things. It's going to be a different type of communication with no crowd. You know, it's going to it's going to be a little different. And um, I think that by the time we get to games, guys, shots will be nice and dialed in like they'll be ready to shoot again. Um, but in particular, for a team like like Boston, uh, Houston comes to mind that don't have a traditional rim protector there to erase mistakes. It's a bigger deal. I mean, it's definitely more of a concern because, you know, you don't have a Rudy Gobert. <laughs> you know, if you if you miscommunicate on the perimeter and a guy gets inside you don't have Rudy Gobert there to clean it up. And, and Tice has been pretty good. Um, but I think that one of the reasons why he's been pretty good is because of the versatility, not so much because he's this dominant, you know, weak side helper. And if they could figure out a way, like, I mean, I think Jalen in that role could be excellent. Jason Tatum is already really good as a wing helper. You know, I think he's one of the best middle help guys in the league already, which is, you know, saying something for him. And, you know, maybe they find a way to just overcompensate a little bit for that lack of protection where maybe we, we see a little bit more help. I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see more switching out of them uh, just to, to get everybody back on the same page. But, I mean, you're you're definitely on the same page as me there where I expect they're going to have a harder time than, than a lot of teams. So you think the Celtics are like an eight seed going into the bubble? No, because their offense <laughs> will be in shambles, and their defense no, has I, no chance. I, no, no, I think that I, like this is a really good. They're a really good team, and they're well coached. I think Brad Stevens is actually one of the best defensive coaches in the last twenty five years in the NBA. Like when you look at the job he has done relative to the rest of the league with the personnel that he has had. I mean, he is not Marcus Smart aside has not had a high level point of attack defender or rim protector the entire time he's been there. And somehow they always have a really good defense. So. Well, let's not slander Aaron Baines and Avery Bradley in the same sentence. I mean. <laughs> no, I, I will. Uh, I mean, you know, Baines, Baines did the job, but it wasn't like, you know, he's not like a guy that you fear like Gobert. Uh, or, put some respect or on Tyler Zeller's name, please. Yeah, he's not, he's not uh, <laughs> changing shots like Bowl Bowl was, you know. Um, <laughs> But I, I just think that uh, he's going to get those guys ready to go. I, I have no doubt. Um, I just think it's it, it will be a little bit slower just because it's a little bit more complicated for this team, right? Like, it's it's not as simple as what the Lakers are going to be doing, which is, hey, LeBron's going to dribble the ball 40 times and do something with it. Be ready. And on defense, they're just big as hell. So, you know, like, there's your defense. You got Anthony Davis. You got – you know, uh, Dwight Howard, who's excellent. I, I just think that is a natural advantage compared to what the Celtics have to do. It's just a, a little bit of a steeper hill. I still think that they've got just as good of a shot as the Raptors making the conference finals. That series is going to be incredible. 
I've been I've been rooting for that series for so I, long. I've been waiting for years, for really, years, but especially man. this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's gonna be it's gonna be really really good because you know when you look at the talent, both teams have a lot of talent. They're young. They're really well coached. I mean, I, I think Nick Nurse is the best coach in basketball, and I think Brad Stevens had his best season as a coach this year. I just got a text message. Hold on, what happened? I got a text message from Mo that just said "fuck." Oh, so what happened? Hold on, that doesn't sound good. I, I hate to interrupt the show, but no, that seems. Yeah, we got to pull up Twitter and see what happened. Shit. Um, I mean, I didn't get a Shams or a Wooch. It might have been a dunk. CJ McCollum just got posterized by an inanimate object. <laughs> That's a John Hollinger tweet. <laughs> um, perfect pass. CJ McCollum threw it to somebody. Oh, no. Oh, oh wow. CJ McCollum went up for a dunk and uh, was very, very short. <laughs> did he get hurt? I, no, no, he, he did not get hurt. slammed it in the front of the rim. Okay. Get it, getting a <laughs> but I like that said. I like the fact that that's possibly what Mo said fuck about. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but it was all caps. Let's fuck. hope it's just that. Yeah, that. It was a. It was an all caps fuck. <laughs> but the also, all he caps said, are scary. Hold on, hang on. There was another text that said my Wi-Fi went out, and I hope that leave this in the show. Oh, <laughs> oh absolutely. We're not leaving this. At, like this is as we get it. If Mo is listening. That's not a capital like that's not an all <laughs> wild overreaction yeah. by not having Wi-Fi. Because that's a, that's a text you send when like you know uh, Giannis you know breaks his leg, or someone tests positive for COVID or yeah. like that's a big deal. Mo, really? Well, I mean, I will I think- say that that's one of the most shameful missed dunks I've seen in a while, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was really really bad. Oh man. Okay. So uh, where are but we? No, oh, no, yeah. let's, let's that, use this. To, but that series, so that series is going to be awesome. And, and um, I think they have every bit of like, they have the same, I put them on the same exact level as the Raptors. Right. I think they've got the exact same chance of potentially beating the bucks, but it, it's just like, and similar for the Raptors, uh, everything has to click right because the bucks are a juggernaut. But I, I do think the Celtics have, a pretty good chance of, of making it to the finals, actually. Uh, you you were critical of Brad Stevens last year. You've talked mm-hmm. about how good a job you think he's done this year. Mm-hmm. What do you think has changed the most, or what do you think he's done well that he didn't necessarily succeed with last season? Well, the offense has got a little bit more purpose yeah. this year, and and that that could also be the lack of Kyrie. You know, it's it's hard to tell, and I I tried to you know suss this out last year when I was ex- you know explaining my basic Brad stuff. Uh, I, I just think that he's done a better job this year, and you can see it with Tatum. You can see it even with Jalen and with Gordon Hayward, where he's actually trusting those guys to make decisions a little bit more rather than relying on the offense. So he's he's putting his his superior playmakers in a position to make plays versus making plays within the the boundaries of of his offensive system. And I didn't feel like he had done that in the past. And mostly because we know what Kyrie can do, and Kyrie just looked neutered in Boston. Yeah, yeah. he was having no fun, and it kind of yeah. trickled down to the everyone else on the team. Yeah, what All a right, weird experience that was. That was the, the Kyrie experience. Yeah, it was that whole year was just so bizarre. 
And especially when you look back at how well Tatum and Brown have played this year, and then you think to the habits they were showing for parts of last season, it's like, what the fuck? How, <laughs> how the hell did they have the 10th-ranked offense with Kyrie, Tatum, Brown, Horford, all those guys? It's like almost no. impossible. It should have been gangbusters. And, and yeah. I, you know, and I put that, and I, I'm sure Brad Stevens, maybe not publicly, but but definitely privately, would probably admit a little bit of fault in that. Oh, you have he, to, he would regularly. Okay, good. Because yeah, because you have to you have to sometimes just get out of the way as a coach. You know these guys. I mean, Kyrie Irving is one of the most gifted scorers with the ball in his hands in NBA history. He is just excellent in space. And why wouldn't you work to get him that space? You know, because you, you have to get minutes for Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier, and they need touches because you just need to keep a calm locker room, like. I, it was a, sounds, it was a, sounds like a lame excuse. Uh, it's not a great excuse, but they, yeah. they lost a lot of basketball. Uh, game, well, certainly in the playoffs is once Kyrie decided to leave. But that's a digression. We don't need to you go mean, into more Kyrie when talk. He, when he quit in the Bucks game? Oh, no. What, uh, the, the best way – the best thing is that Kyrie quit by deciding that he was going to guard Giannis individually. Like what a weird way to go out. Like I'm going to give up effort, but I'm also going to like single-handedly sabotage the offense just by like, you know – I got Giannis this position. And get embarrassed. <laughs> and have no qualms about it. Just be like, I got my ass kicked by Giannis. I'm going to come out again and get my ass kicked by Giannis. But too much Kyrie talk. I've been yeah, triggered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pause right now to talk about the new Athletic NBA show, which uh, you are a host on on Fridays. Nerdishry wrote, Jay is appearing on Basketball Buds on Mondays, but it's a pretty much coming together of all the podcasts across the Athletic Podcast Network to give you a different perspective each day. And frankly, I'm excited about it. It's just like a great collection of talent and it gives us opportunities to talk to people like you, but it's a, it's an exciting opportunity um, for you guys. And I think it's just going to be like a really good, consistent uh, podcast uh, as basketball returns. Yeah. It's really cool. You know, when they came up with the idea, um, Sam Amick and David Aldridge obviously were honored to be on the same podcast (laughs) feed with, with me. You know, and I just I, well, you're glad, you already established that you're the best in the game. Yeah, so. I'm just glad those kids are getting a chance. You know, um, you know they they're up and coming, and uh, no, it actually is really cool uh, to be on the same feed with those kind of guys, and, and it is nice because you're getting a different perspective every single day. You know, Monday is a little bit more like you know, buddy shooting the shit. Uh, you know, obviously Sam Amick has his style on his show where he's you know he's talking to players or he's talking to executives and. And DA and Waz doing, you know, their their hoops adjacent on Wednesday, touching on stories that really like transcend sports to a certain degree often. Uh, and then, you know, we've got the new point of contention with Marcus and Ethan and, you know, those two are like lightning in a bottle. And, and then uh, me, Seth and Mo doing our same thing on Friday. Um, but it, it, I feel like it's a nice way to wrap up the week. Because it's the most hardcore basketball show. So we're trying to leave people with something to think about over the weekend. And so far, so good, man. It's been, it's been pretty, pretty great. I think every episode that has come out in the last two weeks has been must-listen. Honestly, just as a basketball fan, like it's fucking awesome to have those shows back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back all on the same feed. Like It's just there's not another podcast feed like that out there. And the the talent, like like you said, the guys on it are just awesome. And then, and then they were 
dumb as hell to invite my ass to <laughs> but, but other than that, they put together the perfect cast. And the changing of perspectives, like getting a new perspective each day, because like Lord knows people are sick and tired of just listening to me and Jay Baker like an old married couple. Like you get a new fresh take every single day. I just think it's like a cool way to do it. And plus you mentioned all the kind of talented people that have like come together. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you should have already subscribed to the athletic NBA show, but if you have not that you subscribe where you get podcasts, you know, you've done enough work to figure out how to listen to this podcast. I have faith in you to be able to find that podcast and subscribe and tune in because it's just going to be cranking out good content for every single day of the week. Yeah. And we're ramping up, you know, like we're, we're doing the same thing. Like we're, we've been scrimmaging the last two weeks. we got live games starting next week. Uh, Nate Duncan's going to be on Nerder next week. Um, and he's always excellent and, and prepared. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's a unique opportunity for somebody like me who really nobody knows. We are, you're, you're, everyone you're, knows the best, you're the best in the biz. What are you yeah, talking about? I am. I am, but I'm a sleeper. If I was in the NBA, people would be like, wow, he's underrated. People forget Dave's a bucket. That's I'd be one of those guys. <laughs> Dave DeFore used to be hell in his prime. That's right. Dave DeFore is a problem. That's what my family says all the time. I don't know. I don't... Sneaky 14 and 10 guy. Be- before we get off, Packard, you got to – you got a shotgun another beer. This is the oh Colossus God. of Kaizen back at it. Do I have to? I mean, Wait, okay. You guys have been shotgunning beers this whole time? He, this is the third straight podcast he's shotgunned a beer um, after J.J. Redick began the NBA bubble. Oh, my God. Let's talk challenge. about J.J. Redick. You did you know what you just like uh, walked into? Jay King showed up to the podcast today wearing a size 4X Orlando <laughs> Magic J.J. Redick jersey. Not even a cool, like, no. pinstriped Magic jersey. Like, the worst Orlando Magic jersey you could own, and it's J.J. Redick. It is and just signal, I'm a douchebag. The shoulder, the, the shoulders on that thing are as wide as my neck. I mean, See, it is just that was the style back then. If you can remember Rashard Lewis wearing these things, yeah. it was it was over. This was the, the style. You had the black with the pinstripe. You had, it's the worst-looking Magic jersey that could, like, could exist. Yeah, you really did get the worst one. And JJ, like, who gets an Orlando like Magic JJ Reddick jersey? Yeah. Who, like, you were a JJ Reddick stand so much at Duke that you had to buy his his Magic jersey for that your big 2010 Finals run or 2009. I've got a strange, strange collection of jerseys. I've got the Maurice Claret Ohio State football. Thirty three. No, he was thirteen. Actually, thirteen. Yeah, he was thirty three on that Ohio State team. That's a good question. Um, I've got Chris Duhon. Duke jersey. I've got uh um, just a Duke asshole. Where'd you go to school? Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> I went to I went to Skidmore. I was on oh, the shittiest basketball team in the world. Wait, you got a stack house. Is this a UNC stack house? No, this is a Pistons, like the Pistons like oh, the weird know, like teal? green teal. Oh yeah. The what Grant a, Hill Pistons jerseys. My brother has like the Fred Van Vliet Wichita State jersey, which is a dope one. Um yeah, the, the the King brothers were we're just out there with our jersey, yeah. <laughs> just making bad selections. Left, but anyway, right. we've been shot. He's been shotgunning beers. Well, Myers Leonard was shotgunning beer beers, and then Waz uh, issued a challenge to NBA media to shotgun beers, and then so I did it the first time, and Jay ridiculed me for how bad it was, and then he like duped me into um, doing it again by saying like, if you're a true Kaizen Brad Stevens warrior, you're going to do incremental improvement and get better each day. And now I've just mind warped myself. Um, 
So now I'm going to shotgun another beer. So please talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic uh, if you don't want to talk about me shotgunning. New uh, NBA game presentation. Um, wild that they're just like put in like just clips of fans from like the Heat game. I just saw that one oh, clip. Like, so that's a Zoom. It's a Zoom call. So dumb. Wait, did uh, they? Yeah, really so Fred dumb. Katz had the idea that <laughs> the pipe in sound from a Zoom call. Is it act, like did they take Fred Katz's Zoom, idea? Well, not the sound, but the people in the in the video boards. Yeah, it's just a Zoom call. Uh, I got a sneak peek, like a week ago or so, and uh, yeah, it's weird. I I, I, I hate you, it. I'll tell you this: I have been completely vindicated with my no music during the games take by watching these games and overwhelmingly people are coming around on this, that the NBA should be selling us basketball. That's their best product. Absolutely. Right. This other thing where they want to be mass entertainment and Mark Cuban and I have had this conversation uh, on Twitter and he disagrees with me. I think Mark Cuban's wrong about it. Basketball is the best sport. Sell me basketball. I, if the kids are there. Okay, great. In the arena, by all means, during timeouts and stuff like that, shoot all the T-shirts you want, have Bango out there, you know, doing backflips, whatever. Play, you know, uh, whoop, there it is. I don't care. Yeah, tag but, team. Back but, again. You know, I shouldn't have to watch, like, James Harden <laughs> dribbling the basketball up the court while, you know, Rex and Effects is playing, although that would be good. That, would be, that sounds like a good time if they're playing. Rump Shaker is the only song. All you want to do is zoom, okay. zoom, 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 and but, a boom, boom. But I just think it's it's just too much, man. Like, just let me watch this game in peace and, and enjoy the basketball. And, you know, it, like, I don't know. Are they going to pump in crowd noise? Do they do that for the scrimmages? Because they've been doing, doing that with it. MLB and, like, uh, soccer games, and it yeah. seems like the dumbest thing in the world. Well, the, so the soccer is actually not bad because the camera angles that you use, you don't get to see the crowd a lot anyway, you know, on when the actual action's happening. So, like, I've caught myself watching uh, EPL and just forgetting that there are no fans because it's fine. Basketball is different. And, and I – but I just think that it's such a unique – opportunity to present the sport of basketball you know they could actually i would do a marketing campaign about it you know just <laughs> yeah i mean really like this i want is to hear the players like get. talk about it and like that's mm -hmm. that's the best thing is that on mic sound i think like fox sports for bad baseball game is gonna have virtual fans and yeah. like pumping in the crowd noise it's like the best thing i think would just be showing how much like these guys are talking and communicating and like have it be an authentic experience it just feels so weird to pump in crowd noise. Everybody you should, should feel up. you should feel like you're sitting in the gym, yep. like that. That's how they should package these games. Like you said, it's a unique opportunity where there there is no crowd noise. You everything you can hear everything. You can pick up everything in the arena. So why not show us that? Why not give us this unique window into that instead of putting Johnny and his three sons in at their fucking home on a Zoom call, right? And it was it was so dumb because it was a freaking useless scrimmage, and they've got all these fans like losing their shit on a Zoom call. It was so artificial, so fake, so BS. I hate. Could it. I be one of those obnoxious Celtics fans on the Zoom call? You could. Like, I feel like that's the part I was born to play, baby. Like, like that's that's my bread and butter. Speaking of being obnoxious uh, Celtics fan, oh. here's the shotgun. Yeah, I've never shotgunned a beer. Two. I don't get three, four. Five, six. Fuck. <laughs> I think it's not I, fun. I right. keep doing it, and it's not fun. <laughs> Feels like the. Uh, like, can I see the hole that you made in the bottom? Because I. All right, now I've never done this before, but it seems like 
you could probably just go a lot faster if you made that hole bigger. Yeah, probably. I think it's just uh, I got these little small baby bird lips. Oh, just... yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like, but uh, I imagine that would be a hindrance for more than I just, just shotgunning beers. I keep doing it because, I, you know, I think it's a good bit, but I always feel uh, shitty immediately after doing it. And so <laughs> well, I think that was the first time you didn't late. spill half the beer on the I got, floor, though. Okay, so I did not improve at the speed at which I drank the beer, but in terms of cleanliness – Nothing like I Your really shooting percentage at, went way up at puncturing the hole. Oh my god, I got so much better! Like, that's giving me more fuel to come back next podcast because there I want to build on that. Like, there's yeah. things every player needs to work on. I've mastered making the hole with the key now, it's just about uh improving the drinking speed. Yeah, you're ramping up. <laughs> we all are. I mean, we're all gonna ramp it up. We're, anything is potable is ramping up. If you guys are interested, we're gonna be doing a live. Post-game show of the Celtics scrimmage on Friday uh, right here on Jay's Periscope feed. It's going to be fantastic. We're getting more reps in. Any uh, The athletic NBA shows getting more reps in, ramping up to basketball. Basketball is coming back. Man, why did you guys have me – hold on. Why did you have me on today instead of the post-game? You can come on tomorrow post-game if you want to. I might. Yeah. Well, yeah. Might. There we go. Open invitation. The best in the biz. Dave Dufour is going to be right. there. That's right. He's a sleeper. He's a problem. That's right. A bucket. He's an People archer. Forget. People forget. People forget he's a bucket. But you should not forget about the Athletic NBA show. Subscribe. Uh, it's going to be great content as the uh, season comes back. Please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, you know, give us five stars. All the things that podcast uh, hosts tell you to do, do that. But for us. Do we us, even know if that matters? I I don't know. I've just been – that's like industry standard at this point. You know, I, I've got a new thing that I that I think I'm going to start telling people at the end of podcasts. Tell two people about the podcast. That's much better. Like Fuck that. Tell three people. Well, <laughs> I mean, really, like when people have – when people like something, they tell fewer people than if they hate something. It's like it's like 10 to, to 3 or something like that. If you hate something, you're more likely to tell a larger audience. Go well, on Spotify like it, right now. <laughs> go on Spotify right now if you're listening on Spotify and click and share and add this to your Instagram story and just let people know this is a good podcast. Yeah. If you want Celtics talk, the Celtics are coming back. So you're going to want to listen to you know people who are going to give you great analysis and also shotgun a beer. You know, yeah. we, that's the type of coverage the Athletic NBA Network gives you. Yeah. And tag us in it. Absolutely. That's that's that. we're building an empire here. That's and right. it starts. So, Dave, thank you for uh, for joining us. Maybe we'll see you after the uh, show on or after the Celtics game on Friday. Yeah. For listeners, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable. <laughs> uh...